0: If you have a Bible, if you'll turn me to the very end of it, Uh, we're studying through the book of Revelation. We're going through the first five chapters, primarily looking at what is the message that Jesus, this triumphal Lamb of God, has to the churches. The churches listed uh, in the book of Revelation, specifically chapters 2 and 3. We've made it all the way through. We're on the last church, the church of Laodicea. And of all the churches that we've looked at, this is the one that I think probably reflects the church today more than any other. An incredible message that God has for us. I cannot wait to preach it. I pray that some guy that God will give me the power to live the message as well, and for you as well. Again, we're going to look at Revelation chapter three, verses fourteen through twenty-two today. But let me ask you a question: How many of you here have you ever been seasick? Have you ever gotten seasick? Is there anything quite like getting seasick? I mean, oh, I mean it's this horrible feeling. I hope if you have never gotten it, you'll never know. I mean, you know the feeling of nauseous. It's like the worst feeling that you could get as well. And the, the curious question is, is being seasick kind of contagious? Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Several years ago, uh, we had the privilege of going on a sabbatical with my family. And what we did is we went back. And we retraced Paul's missionary journeys. We went through Turkey. We went into Greece and some amazing areas. And it's so cool to, to see the Bible go from black and white into living color. And one of the things we did is we, we took, took a, uh, a boat. It's like a big ferry on the Aegean Sea. And we were, it's kind of a, it was a big ferry, but the water was really, really rough. And as it bounced around more and more and more, I started praying, God, please, Please don't don't let me get seasick. Because more and more people around you could see that people were getting sick. You could hear that people were getting sick. You could smell that people were getting sick. And, you know, you start getting that that, that, that gag reflex, you know? I mean, it's like, oh, gosh, please, Lord, no, 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 no. Let Let me hang on to this. Oh, man, being seasick is awful. You know that gag reflex? You think God ever has a gag reflux for us? Do you ever think that there's a time that he just <clears throat> wants to spew us out or, 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 or spit us out? Uh, can you imagine what in the world would we have to do to have God have a feeling of us like, like you're making me seasick here. You're making, you're making me nauseous. You're, you're this kind of nauseating uh, uh Christianity. I mean, what, what terrible thing would we have to do? Would, would it would be murder or, or adultery or, or maybe the way we treat children? I mean, what would make God say that this is making me feel sick? I want to vomit. The amazing thing is, it's lukewarmness. It's lukewarmness. It, it's for those who are say they're Christians, but they're not that hot and they're not really cold. and this was, was what was happening. Uh, to the church in Laodicea, they were lukewarm. And we're going to look at what causes the church to be lukewarm. What, what causes that? What's the problem? And, and what, what's the prescription? We're going to have to know that, what, what our prescription is, and what is the promise. As we looked at God's word, we're going to see this letter written to the church of Laodicea. And God said to them something that's terrifying. He's like, I'm about to spew you, spit you out of my mouth. Why? Well, let's stop for a minute. Let's look a little bit at what is the city of Laodicea? The city of Laodicea of all the seven churches is probably the richest of all the cities. Tremendously successful, known for a lot of cool things. I mean, one of the things they were known for was a banking and finance center, a main banking and finance hub of commerce in that area. Uh, Famous guys like Cicero lived there. They talk about cashing checks and, and doing commerce in that city also known as a medical city. It was known for some of the salve, uh, some of the uh, uh, ways of bringing healing. Uh, They had some of them capsule form that they would send around, even ancient healing back then. But they were specifically known for some eye salve that they had that supposedly helped uh, the eyes and helped with with, uh, seeing. Uh, They were known uh, in a garment district as well, They were known specifically for a, uh, in that fertile area, and the sheep produced a very cool, very soft, black wool. And so kind of the Laodicean wool uh, was known for people of prestige, that they were able to wear a garment that was black and soft and and, and beautiful, but they were also a city that was amazingly self-sufficient. There was an earthquake that went through and devastated the city, in AD 61, and when Rome uh, at the time came to them and said, hey, we want to help you rebuild, they said, we got it ourselves. No thanks. You don't have to give us any money. Now hit pause. You think when FEMA shows up to Nashville, they're going to say, no thanks. We don't want your money. Uh, no thank you, government. We're going to do it on our own, but this is Laodicea. They had a devastating earthquake, and yet they said, we can rebuild ourselves, and they did. But one of the things that they had, the biggest problem they had in Laodicea is they had no source of water. They were surrounded by a couple of interesting different places. Hierapolis was next to them, was up in the mountains, and they were known for their hot water and the hot water springs of healing. Uh, This is also Pamukkale. It was right there, and you could go there today, and the hot springs are still there that come down and uh, They were known as kind of healing. And it's also, if you stood in, in Laodicea, you can look over to Colossae. Uh, that's the church of Col- uh, Colossians, the book of Colossians. And they were known for their cool water, the refreshing water. So they were kind of surrounded um, by a place that had hot water, a place that had cool water. And the only way they got their water it was piped in. And it's amazing you could find pipes there even today. And it came lukewarm by the time the water showed up. And it kind of was that nauseating, lukewarm water. I got some pictures. I've been twice to Laodicea. Uh, Of all the places you go with a lot of the ruins, the first time I went there, you could just walk around anywhere. I mean, there was like just, there was almost like no rhyme or reason. You could just go pick up things along the road. But as you can see, this is like one of the main roads in Laodicea now. It's gone. I mean, it's just absolute uh, ruins. And Uh, I found, as I was hiking around, I found two amphitheaters. I mean, these amphitheaters is where they would gather and have community events. And you could see that these are almost in ruins. A lot of the amphitheaters they found are in great shape, but the two here were pretty much in ruins. And these are some of the pillars they've put back. And in the distance, you can see Colossae. In the distance, you can see, and again, they're going to be surrounded by places that have either that hot water or the cold water. And the way they brought them in is through pipes, they found pipes like this that would come in, and by the time they hit Laodicea, it would be lukewarm. And so we were there on a Sunday, and we decided that this would be a good place to have a worship service, uh, in right part of the ruins. And you can see we gathered on a sabbatical. We Guess what I preached on? This passage, you know? I mean, you're there with Laodicea. Um, and again, it's amazing to see an old city like that. that used to be so rich, so successful, and it's all you got. So we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at the problem. What was their problem? What is the prescription that can bring us healing? And what is the promise? So let's pick up God's word exactly where we left off last week. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 14 uh, and read it through chapter or verse 22. But let's be mindful. This is God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. It'll always point us to the truth of the gospel and our God and how much we need him. Hear the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you would either, uh, cold or hot, would you be one of those two? So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit or spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Says to the church. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, what an incredible warning you give to this church. This church that thought they had it all together but completely misdiagnosed the reality of their situation. Oh, God, you wanted to spew them out of your mouth because of their being lukewarm. God, don't let us be lukewarm. Oh, come and be our teacher. Come and speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh, God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? God, would you give us minds to understand your word and hearts that would embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet that are zealous to walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say this morning that are just my opinion are wrong. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly but the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to ignite a fire, ignite a fire in our hearts, and to make us more like Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. The first thing you can see is the problem. And interesting, the the first problem we see in Laodicea is they see themselves completely different than the way that Jesus sees them. Here's what it says. He says, you guys see yourselves this way. You see yourselves as rich. You're rich because you have all that the world has to offer. You see yourselves as self-made. They say, listen, we have prospered. We have done this. We've done it on our own. And we see ourselves as being self-sufficient. They say we need nothing. Wow. And yet, how did God see them? This is how God's word describes them. You're actually wretched. You have a city in ruins. It may look beautiful now, but it's a city in ruins. It's sinful. You're pitiable. You have no reason to be boastful. You're poor. You're not rich in God's economy. You might have a lot in the bank, and you may have a lot of cool stuff, but in God's economy, you're missing. You're lacking. You're poor. You're blind. You're blind. You don't even see the reality yourself. You don't see your current situation. You don't see what's going on here. You're living for yourself in the world, and you're blind to the reality of your spiritual condition. You're naked. Here they are wearing the finest of black soft wool that came from their area. And he's basically saying, you're not clothed right because you haven't come to me. You're not able to cover your shame, the only I can. See, that's led to a huge problem. And the huge problem with them was being lukewarm. Why is it a problem? Because when you're lukewarm, you only need a lukewarm savior. When you're lukewarm, your Christianity is gonna always be tepid and God never wants us to be that way. And I think in so many ways, we live in Laodicea. We live in a time that, that the world has so much to offer, and it produces lukewarm Christians. And oftentimes we think, well, lukewarm is not that bad, is it? It is bad. Did you see how Jesus wants to treat this church? You see, we got to realize that worldly riches can deceive us. Being self-made and self-sufficient can feel like authentic Christianity. And we got to realize that the American dream and a typical American lifestyle compared to what we're seeing here are really antithetical. A lot of times we live in a world saying, be self-made. I mean, make something of yourself. Be self-sufficient. Our parents, we raise our kids hoping that they'll be self-sufficient. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the more we grow, the more we're dependent on God. The more we grow, the more we know we need him. The more we know how wretched we are. And we have a problem without him. See, the problem, again, lukewarm. Jesus says, listen, I wish you were one or the other. I wish you were either. And the Greek here is, I wish you were icy cold or boiling hot this tepid this lukewarm this indifferent christianity it's interesting what they weren't facing they weren't facing persecution remember some of the other churches they were facing persecution because they're christian these guys weren't uh, they weren't even facing certain heresies that were creeping into the church you know what they were facing the two things that made them lukewarm prosperity and self-sufficiency that's terrifying What made this church a lukewarm church? It was actually prosperity, I am rich, or self-sufficiency, I have prospered, I need nothing. And because of that, they were blind to their true condition. That was the problem. So what's the prescription? And the first thing with a prescription you've got to see is, it's so beautiful, is the tenderness of the great physician. If something makes you sick, how much do you want to be around that? I don't know about you, but there's certain things that our family have eaten that we all got sick eating. It certainly wasn't Katie's cooking. I'm sure we all had the flu. It was fantastic. But I remember we had this thing called Super Nacho. We used to eat with the kids growing up. I'm sure it was the healthiest meal ever. But it was something we always loved. And something that once we got sick on Super Nacho, I don't think we've ever had Super Nacho again. It's like we're done with it. But here is a picture of Jesus who says, your lukewarmness kind of makes me sick. but I want you to see how amazingly tender he is. He's going to say in verse 18, I counsel you. He says it's so loving. Says, I'm going to counsel you to, to, to move away from that, to buy from me. He doesn't say I'm going to just going to smack him and to counsel you. Then he's going to say in verse 19, and I love you. I love you. And then he's going to say in verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. Now when I studied this this time and I went back through this, I just couldn't get over. It. Don't miss the beauty of God's love. Don't miss the fact that in the midst of saying, your lukewarmness makes me want to just puke. I love you. And I'm going to stand, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to keep knocking. That is the grace and the beauty of our God. So what is the prescription? We see the tenderness of a physician. The first thing he says in verse 19, I'm going to take these a little out of order, but it's be zealous and repent. And it's interesting because the two Greek words are very different in their tense. Repent is in like the aorist tense. It means do it now, do it one time, and turn from it. But be zealous, be pursuing is ongoing, continually ongoing, be zealous, and run after Christ. Repent of the world, turn to me, and be zealous. And he goes on to say, listen, those that Jesus loves, he reproves and disciplines. And I love the fact that he is going to administer the gospel to us in truth and love. God's word is going to speak the truth to you. God's Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And God sometimes is going to point things out in your life. But it's always going to be truth and love. It's going to be like, don't forget, I love you. And because I love you, I've got to tell you the truth. I've got to tell you the truth of where you're going astray. But repent, the prescription is repent and be zealous. That's the first thing. You come to God and you say, God, I just am so prone to wander. I'm so prone to run my own race. I'm so prone to find my identity in the world. I'm so prone to be materialistic. I'm so prone to be lukewarm. And I repent. I repent. Help me to be zealous. But then he says this. This is really interesting. He says, buy from me. Now, that could confuse us because Christianity has nothing to do that we buy. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. As a matter of fact isaiah 55 uh, verses 1 through 3 will make it clear the way we should see coming to god hear these words come everyone who thirsts come to the water he who has no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money without price why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast sure love for David here's what he's going to say to all of us come just as you are come as you are and you're not going to be able to barter with God but come and buy from me in a sense where by faith this is this is a radical shift we can't miss this when he's, he's here's what he's saying you got to have a radical shift in following Jesus unless you'll be lukewarm from finding your identity and security in the riches of the world, from finding your identity and security in the riches of Christ. That's the gospel. Does it make sense? He's saying, buy from me. You are going to the world to try to find your identity. You're going to the world to find your security. You're going to the world to find your place in the world. Don't do that. Change that. you got to come to me. Come to me to find your identity, your security. It's just a radical change of purpose. This is basically a change of races. Uh, What I mean by race, are you running the rat race? Are you running a rat race just to try to keep your head afloat or to try to earn something from the world? Or are you living your life for the advancement of Christ's kingdom? Are you running the good race for Christ Jesus? This is like, to me, a complete change of vendors, where you go and you barter through life to try to find your place in life. He's saying, wipe them all out and come and look for your life from me. Look for me for your security. Look for me for your identity. Let's just hit pause. How are we doing? I mean, it's so convicting to me. Am I I really looking to the world to bring fulfillment, security, joy, meaning? Am I looking to my family for all those things? Or do I look to Jesus? And when he says, buy from me, it's just a radical change. Buy from me by faith. And what does he say? Buy gold refined by fire so that you could be truly rich in the ways of God. God is not saying buy from me so you can have literally gold. He's saying put your treasures in heaven. Uh, come and, and, and look at the, the, uh, God's economy. In Ephesians 1, 3, it says this, that those of us in Christ Jesus, that all the riches of the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. I don't even know what that fully means. But I know it says this, if you are in Christ Jesus, you're forgiven and free, and all that God can bless us with, he will doesn't mean we're going to have to drive a better car or have a bigger house. It means that the treasures of heaven have been opened up to us. The relationship with our God has been opened up to us and that we are to buy gold refined by fire from him. He says, come buy from me white garments to cover your shame. I love the antithesis between this and what they were wearing and their black soft wool stuff. He's like, only Christ's righteousness can cover up your nakedness only god can make you holy and acceptable i I think it's important for us to realize this i often live my life thinking that i just need to get better that i i you know what scripture says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags in god's sight that somehow i got to get better get cleaner and god's going to love me more that's not the good news of the gospel the good news of the gospel is this the blood of christ has taken away your sins The righteousness of Christ is robed around you. That's the white garment. That's what he's saying. Live your life with the righteousness of Christ around you because God loves you and sees you that way. Quit trying to just be better. I mean, yes, we're supposed to be moral. Yes, we're supposed to respond out of love. But the goal isn't that that our rags become a little cleaner. The goal is that we live in the righteousness of Christ free every day never trying to earn it but just because we've all received it and now we live our lives in response to that beautiful thing christ's righteousness he says come by for me salve the true ointment for your eyes so you can truly see this is the gospel you think you got this medicinal salve that helps you you know only the gospel can let you see your real condition and see me rightly Buy for me there's an open door what's the prescription jesus stands at the door and knocks now listen a lot of people get this confused. This is not salvation. Because salvation will tell us that apart from Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and a dead man can't open a door. That God's the one who's going to open that door and open our hearts. This is opening the door to fellowship. And I love it. It says, open the door, because I'm going to come, I'm going to eat with you. And when it says this meal, it says the evening meal. This is the one you linger at. This is the one you spend some time. How was your day? What's going on? Tell me about your life. And Jesus is saying, I want fellowship with you. I want to hang with you. I want to hang with you through my word, through my spirit, through my people, through my church. I just want to dwell. I want to be with you. I'm at the door and knocking and open it up. Fellowship with him. How do we do that through God's word, through prayer, through God's people, through serving him Is fellowship with him? Well, how do we take the prescription? I have one child in four that couldn't take a pill until he or she was well into her 20s or his 20s. Okay, it was a oldest daughter. Don't tell her I said it, all right? But how do you get a kid to take a pill, a prescription? Well, the question is, how do we take this? Well, we let Jesus into our lives. Uh, we answer that knock on the, our hearts and say, let me have fellowship with you. We repent from trying to be rich apart from him, repent of trying to be self made and self-sufficient, and we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Here's the, here's the truth of the gospel we got to realize. You can't just squeeze Jesus into your life. He won't fit. you got to empty your life out so he's got room. you got to deny yourself, empty yourself out so he can come fill you and you can have true life and true riches in Christ Jesus. You know what it means to embrace Christ? You've got to drop everything that we cling to that's not him and embrace everything he has to offer. Jesus demands this from us, and he has a right to because he's given us everything in Christ Jesus on that cross. And what is lastly the promise? The promise is two amazing things. In verse 20, a seat at the table. He says, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna have fellowship with you, I'll sit with you. That's the amazing good news of the gospel. Jesus gives us himself. I will be with you, Emmanuel. My presence, my righteousness, my blood, all yours. He gives us himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. Gives us a, a spot. Jesus is the only begotten son, and yet he gives us everything that he has earned. Not only is he at the table, he's seated at the throne. In verse 21, he says, listen, as I sit on my father's throne, as I'm there, I'm going to make a place for you. Now, let's make sure we know that we'll never be like Jesus. He is the only obedient son. He is the only begotten son, and everything is the only obedient and only begotten son that he's earned. He says, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to share my victory. I'm going to share the spoils. I'm going to give you the best view. You're going to come rule and reign with me. That's what he's always has created us to do, to rule and reign uh, for him. Uh, It doesn't mean that we're going to be uh, conquering nations around us. It means that we're going to reign as God's children, telling God's story uh, to the world around us. All right, as we look at this reality, how do we make sure we're not lukewarm? We've got to acknowledge the problem. Where is that problem for us? What is that prescription? And what is the promise God gives us? And when you're seasick, what's the only thing you want to do? Get the heck off that boat and get on solid ground. I mean, you're just praying for solid ground, something that's not moving. You see, in our lives, we've got to build everything on the solid rock of Christ. It's the only solid ground we have to keep us from having nauseating Christianity. Build on Christ a solid rock. Be Repent, be zealous, and come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I look to you alone for my life, my identity, and my righteousness. Are you looking to anything else? Look to Jesus. Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for a Savior that doesn't want us to be lukewarm because He, you never love us with a lukewarm love. You love us passionately. And you'll never stop loving us. You've given us everything we need for for godliness and for life. And God, forgive us because we have the propensity to be so lukewarm in the way we respond to you. Forgive us because we have to say the truth that we've looked to the world to to find our identity, our security, our purpose, our meaning. We haven't looked to you. God, help this church here at King's Chapel to know what it means to, to buy from you to find you and you our identity, our security, our righteousness, our joy in our life. God, we thank you for the promises that we will have a seat at the table with Jesus. And somewhere we're going to have a seat on the throne and we'll have the view of him ruling and reigning, that one day all the tears will be gone and all the brokenness will, will be mended and that we'll be with you. God, may the reality of who you are, may the reality of what you have done, and may the reality of what you promise keep us from being lukewarm. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's, let's conclude by singing to our great God. Let's stand and sing together.